Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. In the government's landmark antitrust case against Google, it's what we can't see that's taking center stage. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We are going on week three of Google's high-stakes trial over allegations that it bought its way to dominance in search. The Department of Justice in several states allege the tech giant has maintained its lucrative monopoly through exclusive contracts with browser companies and phone makers like Apple and Samsung. Google has countered that it's dominant in search because it's got the best product. Covering this trial has been complicated. Google and other companies involved have moved to shield documents from public view. That applies to some testimony, too. That's according to Leah Nyland, an antitrust reporter for Bloomberg, who's been at court throughout. And in any trust case, the company's conduct is the alleged violation. And so oftentimes the government will seek to introduce things like emails, things like corporate presentations or corporate filings. But this one, you know, Google is very concerned about its contracts with other folks. And the third parties are also somewhat uh, concerned about, you know, their trade secrets or corporate information being revealed Third publicly. parties like Apple, for example. Yeah. And because they aren't actually um, involved in the case, you know, they're being called as witnesses. The judge has been pretty sympathetic to their concerns about some of their corporate information being shared. So it's very common, you know, and in an antitrust case for there to be a lot of redactions on documents. So like exact numbers or things like that might be blacked out because it's sort of the conduct overall, not maybe not the specific, you know, financial ramifications that are supposed to be at issue. Yeah, and it sounds like the judge in this case, Amit Mehta, has given the Department of Justice, the lawyers there, a little bit of a hard time about posting exhibits from the trial online without telling him first. These are public documents. Uh, why do you think he raised that issue? Yeah, so the judge, you know, has pointed out that once an exhibit, uh, a document gets offered in court, it becomes a public record. And uh, the Justice Department, as they do in sort of 
any case really, had been making those available to reporters and the public after they were introduced in court. And the judge found out about that last Tuesday. And he said, you know, he doesn't necessarily have a problem with them releasing this information, but he should have been told about it in advance. And because he raised this concern, the Justice Department removed all of the exhibits that they had already posted, which is a pretty extreme remedy I have never seen in any other case before. I'll just put it that way. And I've been doing this for 12 years. And you became a character in this story when you asked for full access to those documents. Where do things stand on your request? Yes. So the Justice Department and Google are in negotiations about how they would release these documents. You know, they both say that they're not opposed to releasing them, but they want to make sure that there is a process in place for how they get released and to ensure that they have proper redactions. Google had raised an issue about the documents that the Justice Department had already posted because they didn't, for example, black out people's email addresses. And so they were like, you know, this is going on the internet. And so we should probably give our employees a little bit of privacy and black out their email addresses or phone numbers at the bottom of emails. So they're in discussions over that. Um, they still haven't re reached a resolution. They've been, you know, discussing it since last week. So we're really hoping that today the judge makes uh, a decision on this. What was it like uh, raising your hand and saying, hey, we want to see these documents. We want them posted publicly so we have full access to them. What was that experience like for you? <laughs> it was a little weird, right? You know, as a journalist, your job is to report on what's going on, not necessarily be an actor in it. But, you know, I have always been taught since I was a young reporter that uh, when courts are acting to seal things, um, you have a right as a member of the public to object to that. Um, when I was younger, I used to have this little card that I kept in my wallet with like the phrase that you're supposed to ask. And so I stood up and asked that, you know, we have a right to have a lawyer come in and discuss access to these publicly filed exhibits. The judge said he didn't think that was necessary, that they were working on it. So uh, Bloomberg does have lawyers, but we haven't officially, you know, been involved up until this point because we're sort of waiting to see what the Justice Department and Google propose before we take any additional steps. The other thing I wanted to flag was it sounds like reporters have been shut out of hearing some key testimony in the case as well. Yes, that's definitely true. So in an antitrust case, as I mentioned, because there is a, con a lot of confidential information, it's not that unusual for there to be some sealed testimony. For example, you know, you might have somebody testify generally about like what their job is within a company. And then if they're getting into specific information about like Google's finances, that would be held behind closed doors. In this case, though, there's been a lot of sealed testimony. So last week, there was actually more hours of sealed testimony than there was open. Um, and again, you know, as somebody who gets to go every day um, and, you know, trying to present this to the public, that makes it a little bit hard because you don't know how much of uh, the testimony is going to be public. We just get to sit in the hall. They don't even necessarily tell you how long you're going to be sitting there in the hall. So you're just waiting outside the door for them to come and, and let you back in. Well, this case overall has drawn a lot of comparisons to the last major landmark monopoly case brought by the DOJ 20 years ago against Microsoft. Um, is it your impression that this case has been less transparent than that one was? I think that's probably fair. 
The Microsoft case was a really blockbuster moment for antitrust in the late 1990s. Um, there were media outlets there every day. They aired the deposition, which is like this legal interview of Bill Gates publicly. And um, we we had been doing some estimates. There was there was almost more coverage of the Microsoft case than there was of the Clinton impeachment trial. Wow, that is really saying something. Yeah. So there were just like dozens of reporters who were there every day. Microsoft would hold a press conference outside the court every day, even on days in which there might have been sealed testimony to sort of lay out why it thought that that day's testimony was good for them. So there was definitely a lot of openness involved in that case and a lot of public interest. There's even like a display in the in the foyer of this courthouse about that case and how it's been important to the development of technology. So it's sort of funny, the the differences between, uh, you know, the late 1990s and now. Why does it matter for these documents and for this testimony to be within the public's view? The entire court system is part of our government. And like this judge is going to make a decision about whether Google violated the law. And it's going to be his decision very much based on the facts in the case. So if the public can actually know what the facts are in the case, it's really hard for anyone to make their own sort of judgment about whether the judge is making the right call or not. How do you think this case could impact how other tech companies think about their growth and their expansion, um, regardless of how things go necessarily? But the fact that you're having, you know, the biggest names in tech, some of them are, are having to show up and give testimony here. Do you think that they're going to be taking this stuff back to Silicon Valley in Seattle and maybe approaching their work differently? Or is that uh, a little too <laughs> too lofty an expectation? Well, I think we saw a little bit of this on uh, Friday. The only thing that uh, John Giandrea, who is the um, former Google executive now at Apple, said publicly was he uh, mentioned that just last week, Apple made a change to the features available on the iPhone to make it easier for consumers to switch which search engine they use. So there has been a change already uh, sort of in the marketplace because of this lawsuit. And then more broadly speaking, you know, this is the first of several expected cases against some of the Silicon Valley companies. There are a number of other ones against Google that are waiting to go to trial later this year and next year. There is one uh, that the Federal Trade Commission brought against Facebook um, that is still awaiting trial. And then there are investigations into Amazon.com and Apple that um, the antitrust agencies have had ongoing since 2019 that we're expecting some kind of resolution to in the near future. So, you know, just legally speaking, this case is the first in uh, what are expected to be several over the next year. That was Leah Nyland, antitrust reporter for Bloomberg. You can keep up with Leah's reporting on the case as it unfolds. She's posting to X, or Twitter, if you prefer. We've linked to her account on our website, marketplacetech.org, as well as a live blog from The Verge with ongoing analysis on developments in U.S. versus Google. We've also posted a recent Bloomberg article Leah co-wrote about Google's efforts to keep documents shielded from public view. The piece includes exhibits that were downloaded before they were removed from the public case record. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. 
This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.